Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, August 1st, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And uh, let's, uh, you know, it's been a while since we've actually talked about the news on this podcast. It's, it, the news has been uh, slow. Uh, <laughs> just like after Comic-Con, I'm not sure what it was. And by the way, I didn't realize it, guys, but uh, we've been doing this podcast for over two years now. I, I got a notification in my Facebook showing me showing the building of my podcasting studio. And I think our first episode was two years ago in July. It doesn't so. feel real. Yeah, I feel like we only started a year ago, but maybe, I don't know. Uh, Anyways, okay, let's get into the news. Uh, Let's start off first with some theme park stuff, because there's a bunch of theme park news that broke uh, today and yesterday. Uh, Let's start with a big announcement from Universal Studios this morning. They promised something epic. Brad, what did they announce? Uh, They literally announced an epic universe theme park. Uh, they didn't announce when it would be opening, but it will be a an entirely new theme park that will be built in Orange County, Florida. 
Uh, it'll be a little bit of a, a drive away from the Universal Studios parks that are already established down in Orlando, Florida. And it's slated to be the largest theme park investment in Orlando in 20 years. It'll create over 14,000 jobs. And it's, it is a full-on uh, resort-style theme park. So it's going to have hotels. It's going to have rides. It'll have restaurants, shops, all, all that good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it's the biggest new theme park uh, attraction that will come to Florida, in, uh, like I said, in 20 years. But we don't know any specifics on exactly what it will entail ex- other than, you know, rumors we've heard of expansion of more Harry Potter attractions, uh, maybe some classic Universal monster stuff. There's been rumblings that Nintendo Land might end up being part of this since that's been in the works at, at other Universal locations. So we're there's a lot of guesswork coming into play here, but at least now we know that this is Universal's epic universe and it's coming sometime. Yeah, let's start off first with the name because uh, we, this, is, this park is like – this is, doesn't come as a surprise to anybody because we've been talking about this park for I think over a year now, probably two years. They've actually been clearing out the land for some time and they've already like – you know, filed the per- permits and stuff, and are yeah, putting the worst in. kept secret in the theme park industry. This was coming. <laughs> yeah, but w- when they uh, approached, um, I think like internally they had a presentation about it, and it, like even the logo of that leaked, and it was called Fantastic Worlds. So, uh, Epic Universe is something new. Uh, Jacob, what do you think of the name? I don't like it as much as Fantastic Worlds. Like Fantastic Worlds has like an old timey spirited adventure, whereas Epic Universe sounds. Instagram generation theme park. And you know what? I, I feel like ultimately um, Epic Universe and Fantastic Worlds ultimately mean the same thing. But Epic Universe just doesn't, to me, come off the tongue the same way that Fantastic Worlds does. I Is, is that just me, Peter? Am I, am, I, am I being weird here? No, I think you are right. I think uh, you, you've nailed this. I'm guessing... They didn't go with Fantastic Worlds because they're going to have that that land from Fantastic Beasts, and they didn't want to confuse things. And also, you know, the love for that Fantastic Beasts movie uh, franchise has not been great. So maybe having Fantastic in the word of the that the 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 name of the theme park was probably they were going to they're hedging their bets by picking another title. Yeah, and considering the box office for the most recent Fantastic Beasts movie. I bet that the Fantastic Beast land is just the Ministry of Magic, and it, you won't see the name Fantastic Beast anywhere. It's just going to be the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Ministry of Magic, because uh, that's where the rumors are that's going to be. Uh, so I, maybe we'll see some cameos references to those movies, but I bet they tap the brakes on it being Fantastic Beast. I bet it's going to be a full-on her- third Harry Potter section. Yeah, um, it is... The one thing that's uh, – well, actually, I don't think any of this is kind of a surprise to us. Uh, we we had rumored the classic monsters area, which I know you are very excited about because you Peter, love that, This is my Galaxy's Edge. Um, <laughs> in the same way you were – you've dreamed of going to Galaxy's Edge your entire life, uh, the Universal Monsters land is my Galaxy's Edge. Yes, but <laughs> what, what version of the Universal Monsters do they choose to you know bring us into the world of? Dark Universe. Dark Universe. <laughs> All the rumors uh, on the line have been that it's going to be, you know, classic 1930s Universal Monsters with Dracula's castle sort of being the thing overlooking the entire uh, village area. And man, I think considering the, the success of, you know, every single year of Halloween Horror Nights, having a dedicated horror section had a theme park that's open year round, there was no reason for it not to be huge. Even if, you know, Universal Monsters themselves aren't, you know, in the zeitgeist as much, their merchandise sells like crazy, people are familiar with them. And it's, people like to be scared. And Peter, I will um, 
fight you to go visit uh, Epic Worlds first. <laughs> Epic okay. Universe first. <laughs> okay. Um, and this is a classic hub and spoke design. Uh, the, the one thing that might be a little bit of a surprise is there is a hotel. Well, there's at least one hotel in this concept art. We'll put a link to the story that Brad wrote up for uh, on the site, and you can see the concept art. And people have kind of been kind of trying to decipher where what areas are the different lands. It's a. Some people seem to think that the bottom area is how, how to train your dragon, which uh, it looks kind of like it, and uh, is interesting because I asked the uh, the director of that the last movie or of the series uh, if they were going to be building a how to train your dragon ride in my last interview with them, and he kind of deflected at the time, so he probably knew about this. Um, but the, the hotel is interesting because it is situated. Right next to the Fantastic Beast land, do you think we could actually that Universal could be competing with Star Wars and be building a Harry Potter hotel? I'm not so sure, uh, man, because they're the initial construction permits that people poured over and did all that heavy lifting, so we did, so I didn't have to. Uh, suggested that the design here is going to be very unique compared to other parks, uh, even though it looks like the, the traditional Disneyland style layout. The central corridor will be restaurants and shops with various different, you know, entryways taking you to the various lands. So instead of being, you know, a circular area, you kind of have each land is sort of contained by its own entrance uh, with the hotel being in the neutral area in the middle of the of, of it all, as opposed to being, you know, in the midst of the Harry, po- the Harry Potter. It, it is right next to that Fantastic Beast lands, though, Jacob. Yeah. It's there. No, no, I'm not convinced. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um this, the, I just want to point out, though, this is similar to what Disneyland Paris has, where you, uh, where one of the hotels is directly over the Magic Kingdom entrance, so you can actually have a hotel room that looks down you know, the main street at the castle. So this is Universal kind of picking and choosing design elements from Disney and their own parks and sort of doing what looks to be a very modern take on the theme park layout. Yeah. Uh, this is also interesting because this is the first time Universal Orlando is building a park that's outside of their resort. Like, you really have to, like, go down the street quite a bit like uh i don't know how long that drive is i'm wondering if they're going to have some kind of way of connecting it all like uh, there has to be a shuttle service of course i mean well, I, yeah. I imagine yeah. But i'm just wondering like you know disney is you know launching their gondola system over at disney world like i'm wondering is there are they going to do anything different or is it just going to be buses you know what um I wonder if they'll continue the Hogwarts Express that connects the previous two Harry Potter sections. If they want to have some sort of subway train system or train system with screen with screens for windows to take you back in time to the Ministry of Magic in the 1920s. That'd be cool. Okay, let's move on to our next theme park story, and that is that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Disney World is going to serve alcohol out of outside of Ogus Cantina. Brad, what do we know? Yes, so the idea of Disneyland serving alcohol in the theme park area was already kind of a groundbreaking thing because previously the only way you could drink alcohol at Disneyland was through the exclusive Club 33 or at certain private events. But Oga's Cantina in Galaxy's Edge allowed uh, people who are in the park to have alcohol within the confines of Oga's Cantina. Uh, But that'll be expanded a little bit when Galaxy's Edge opens in Disney World later on this month. Because uh, Ronto's Roasters and Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo will each have two different alcoholic beverages that you can buy at those food establishments. They'll have uh, a unique spirit and also a beer that you can buy uh, at each of those places. And on top of that, 
there will also be alcoholic versions of the popular blue and green milk drinks that are currently available at Disneyland. Uh, and Disneyland doesn't even have alcoholic versions of either of the milks, uh, even inside Oga's Cantina. Yeah, there's there's a blue bantha inside Oga's Cantina, but it's not it's it's has no alcohol in it. Yeah, so this is uh, Disney World is getting a little bit of a boost here. Uh, I think it makes it somewhat superior, um, but I guess the balance it kind of balances out because you get to have alcohol in some extra places in Galaxy's Edge, but you also have to deal with Florida and their heat. So, <laughs> yeah, and there's not much shade in Galaxy's Edge, so I'm wondering how they're going to figure that out. But Jacob, why is everything better in Florida? <laughs> uh, you know. Peter, I haven't been to Disneyland in years and years and years, but uh, I've always, but Disney World's my home park, and I've been drunk at Disney World many, <laughs> many times. So being able to wander around a theme park intoxicated is one of the best feelings in the world. So this is my current argument for why Disney World edges out Disneyland, even though I will admit Disneyland is better landscaped. But that's it. Well, you know what? Our version of uh, Star Wars Galaxy says it's going to be less busy and not as hot. So. <laughs> So there. Yeah, but you know what? I'll have alcohol to keep me entertained in line. So <sighs> you're gonna be buzzed off of the blue and green milk. <laughs> Why can't we get the blue and uh, the green alcoholic milk? This is this is unfair. Uh, Very unfair, and it's proof that Disneyland's dogmatic audience, who wants nothing to change, are keeping that park down, man. Do you think that's why? Like, do you think there's? I feel like there's some kind of permit issues that it's probably way too complicated for our pay grade to figure out because you can't even buy a drink in Ogus Cantina and take it outside of the cantina. It's like you can it's kind of like a uh, restaurant establishment in like on a street. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. can only drink inside there. I have no idea. Maybe there is a legal reason for this. Uh, but I know that there was so much weird backlash when they first announced alcohol at all uh, at Disneyland. Whereas people have been getting drunk at Epcot at Disney World for, you know, decades. So it's, yeah. everyone in Florida is like, yeah, whatever. No one cares down there. Uh, ben, you're originally from Florida. Are you excited about a new Universal Studios theme park? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I, I just don't foresee myself ever going there unless it's, like, specifically for a press trip. But I'm glad that my – like Not, my sister not lives. even when you're, like, visiting family and be like, Let's No, because my, my family doesn't live – we live, like, uh, I don't know, two and a half hours away from Orlando. Oh, okay. And the last thing I want to do is fly all the way across the country and then be stuck in a car for that long. Um, Fair so, enough. So, yeah, I, I think my sister lives in or around Orlando, and, and she regularly goes to the park. So I'm happy for her. I'm happy that, that she and her husband will have uh, a lot of new – fun things to explore there but uh personally no i'm probably not going to be visiting this place anytime soon ben pearson you and i are going to go to the new theme park when it opens and make a video log of us exploring the <laughs> universal monsters land i mean I i'll do it um i just oh. wouldn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh don't worry ben we're getting our own version of super nintendo land it's going to be smaller and crappier and probably not have alcohol and any of the cool stuff that are oh Orlando has. god getting drunk for riding the mario kart ride this is my dream <laughs> You gotta get that vomit in slow mo for the video, Jacob. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about uh, Kevin Feige. He's been out doing press, and he's uh, recently been asked who is more powerful, Thanos or Scarlet Witch. Ben, what did he say? Yeah, this is sort of like one of those old school arguments that comic fans used to have 
in the era before comic book movies became like the dominant form of blockbuster storytelling. Uh, people used to debate this kind of stuff all the time and there was never really any winner because you didn't have a, a, a giant media conglomerate making a hundred plus million dollar movie to give you the answer. But uh, now that we do, so uh, Avengers Endgame obviously features a scene in which Thanos faces off against uh, Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch and she is super pissed because uh, in Infinity War, Thanos basically kills Vision right in front of her in a really brutal and and cruel way. Uh, and she rolls in and in game and essentially like rips him apart. Like she starts throwing stuff at him. She lifts him in the air and and like starts ripping off his armor. And the only way for her to be able to win is for Thanos to call down, have his army. Uh, essentially like strafe the entire battlefield indiscriminately, like killing his people and, uh, you know, inflicting some damage on the Avengers and their crew. So anyway, uh, Kevin Feige was asked just after Comic-Con about, uh, uh, you know, upcoming projects and stuff. And he mentioned Wanda Maximoff, who was the AKA Scarlet Witch. He said, Wanda Maximoff, who was probably near the upper echelons of power, I contend she would have taken down Thanos if he hadn't called the army, right? It was done. So he <laughs> basically, uh, you know, Kevin uh, Kevin Feige is like fanboying out, like basically just you know envisioning an alternate universe where uh, where Scarlet Witch just you know got her just desserts, basically, or or, or uh, inflicted Thanos, uh, inflict gave him his just desserts, I should say. I feel like everything Kevin Feige says though is very calculated. He is the master of well, first of all, I wouldn't say spin, but uh, build up of anticipation. And I feel like him saying that is not just for, you know, no reason. We we have that WandaVision show that's coming to Disney Plus, but mm -hmm. we've also been told that Doctor Strange to what is the name uh, of the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, that's gonna take me a while to remember. I know, um, me too. I had to look it up when I was writing it for this this article. Yes, the best titles of all time require some memorization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like Attack of the Clones. Um, and okay, no, but she's appearing in that movie, and we've been told that like we're gonna finally see the extent of her power. So. What I'm wondering is, uh, Jacob, will we finally see like House of M kind of level of Scarlet Witch here? I hope so. I've spoken about this in the past, but the movies have done a real disservice to Scarlet Witch. They've taken a character whose power is to alter reality and just have her move things with her mind. And so I want to see her ripping universes apart and doing all kinds of cosmic craziness that's straight up magic and not psychic powers to lift rocks. Come on. Uh, I really hope this is evidence of Kevin Feige laying groundwork for a full on Scarlet Witch who can really stand toe toe and alongside Doctor Strange. Do you, do you think we're going to see her become the bad guy here? I don't think so. I, I feel like there's, I think, I think I've spoken about this before, but there are so many good villains out there. I think people are just, one thing people love about these Marvel movies is seeing the heroes fight side by side. That's the most memeable stuff. It's the stuff that really seems to stick with people. So I think we're going to see Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch fight alongside each other. But they also yeah, loved like, watching Civil War, too. That was the heroes fighting each other. Yeah, but it, up until the very end, it was still like a playground fight where nobody was hurting each other. And I feel like it, once it gets sad, you, you don't want them to fight anymore. But when they're all like goofing off and wisecracking, it's still a fun fight. Yeah, and think about Hawkeye in the first Avengers movie where he's, you know, mind controlled and, a, you know, a quote unquote villain in that movie or at least an antagonist. It's just sort of like something feels off about it because you know that it's not, you, you know, it's either going to get corrected somehow. You know, it's not the the real 
status quo. And I feel like people will feel the same way. It's just, it's like when Vin Diesel went rogue in the fate of the furious, it's like, you know, Dom Toretto is never going to actually abandon the family. There's some, so you're just sort of waiting for the moment where he, you know, (laughs) reveals the, the twist or whatever. And, and I feel like the same thing would happen with Scarlet Witch. People would just be waiting for her to turn good again. I, I completely forgot about bad Vin Diesel, and we didn't even talk about that on yesterday's Fast and the Furious <laughs> ranking podcast. That was horrible. Yeah. Okay, let's move on from Marvel to DC. Let's talk about Ben Affleck's abandoned Batman movie, uh, which we'll never get to see, but apparently we're learning some details finally. Brad, what do we know? Yes, back when Ben Affleck was still slated to keep playing Batman and direct a solo movie uh, starring himself... Robert Richardson, uh, the cinematographer, was attached to work on him with it. Uh, But unfortunately, as we all know, the project didn't pan out. Ben Affleck's no longer Batman. Matt Reeves is making his own movie that is separate from the DC Extended Universe. Uh, So we'll never get to see it. But as uh, rumors had said, the movie was meant to uh, highlight Arkham Asylum much more. And it uh, would have seen Batman uh, locked up in there for a time. And while Richardson didn't necessarily confirm that specific aspect, he did uh, confirm that Arkham Asylum would have been uh, a very big part of that movie. Uh, What he addressed on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast was that uh, Ben Affleck would have gone more into the kind of insanity uh, aspects of, I guess, Batman's personality. He said, so I think you would have seen something a little darker than what we've seen in the past and more into the... Uh, individual side of what is inside Batman, Uh, what element may be sane, what element may actually not be sane. So that just confirms a lot of the rumors we heard before that movie ended up being scrapped, that uh, we finally would have gotten a movie that really focused on Arkham Asylum uh, in a significant way. And even though that place was part of Batman Begins, it wasn't really the Arkham Asylum as we've come to know it and comic fans have come to love it because Arkham Asylum is famous for housing Batman's rogues gallery. And so in this case, we would have been able to see an aged Bruce Wayne and Batman in Arkham Asylum where a lot of the villains he's faced were locked up in there. And that's something that no Batman movie has has tackled yet. And it's it's really kind of a shame that we won't get to see it uh, play out. Yeah, that, that sounds like something I would have liked to have seen. And I, I know there was a script years ago from Justin Marks called Supermax that would have had uh, green... Uh... Wait, which one of the, what's it was uh, Green Arrow? Green Arrow, yes, it was Green Arrow stuck in uh, Arkham Asylum and having to fight his. Or it wasn't Arkham Asylum; it was just a supermax prison with other baddies, and he was going to have to fight fight his way out. Um, but this sounds interesting. I I feel like our biggest loss from you know the whole Zack Snyder DC Universe stuff is us not getting this Ben Affleck Batman solo film. What What do you guys think? I'm curious what it would have been. Uh, I'm the idea of Batman being trapped with all of his best villains in one location is a scenario we've seen in the video games and in comics and never on film. I would have liked to have seen it, but at the same time, I also feel like a clean break is what Batman maybe needed after justice league. So it's really hard for me to say that I would prefer to see this, but I would travel to the alternate universe where it happened to watch it. If I was given the opportunity, hint, hint scientists, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and and it's probably worth mentioning too that um, earlier this summer we wrote about a, a rumor from the Hollywood Reporter talking about how Matt Reeves' Batman movie is rumored to have at least two villains and maybe even up to six, 
And I think we speculated at the time that maybe six villains, I mean, six villains is a lot for a comic book movie. So maybe the way that up to six villains could be featured in that film is for uh, this Robert Pattinson's version of Batman to visit Arkham Asylum or, or something, you know, have a scene there. So maybe we'll get a version of this, um, you know, in, in this version of, uh, of the next Batman movie. I mean, I, I would love to read this script. So if anybody has the script, you have my email address, peter at social.com. Um, okay, uh, let's uh, let's move on from DC to the other side of the Marvel Universe. Let's talk about Venom 2. They're searching for a director. Who's going to direct this film, Ben? Yeah, so the latest that we've heard is that there are three people who have met with Sony Pictures to direct Venom 2. Uh, Ruben Fleischer, who's the director of the first movie, is not coming back to direct the sequel. So uh, Sony is looking for, uh, right now, at three different people. Uh, Rupert Wyatt, who directed Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Captive State recently. Uh, Travis Knight, who directed Bumblebee and a bunch of Leica, Leica movies like uh, Kubo and the Two Strings is the one I was thinking of. And then uh, Andy Serkis, who obviously the actor who has appeared in uh, Marvel Studios uh, movies before. He played Ulysses Claw in films like Black Panther. Um, so that would be an interesting choice in particular Andy Serkis somebody who's been in the Marvel universe even though that's he's been in the MCU and this is Sony's version and the technically those two are sort of separate things still until they make a decision to sort of combine them inevitably which we know that's going to happen eventually but uh they're separate entities as as it stands right now um recently uh Tom Hardy actually who's going to be returning to play Venom in the sequel shared a photo on Instagram of Andy Serkis and it didn't have any caption other than I think it was like the spade symbol and the fire emoji. And then he immediately deleted that picture. So it, you know, there's been a lot of speculation. Like, did he just essentially announce that Andy Serkis did indeed win this director's chair for this this job? And he got berated by Sony because he <laughs> let the cat out of the bag too early. Um or is he just really excited about the possibility of Andy Serkis being, you know, one of the options? And then he decided, OK, this isn't a good look because it's still not a done deal yet. I don't know. There, there's a lot of speculation going on there. But, uh, yeah, that's the latest. Has anybody here seen Andy Serkis's Jungle Book movie that was released on Netflix? <sighs> no, I, I have not. I know that this was like it was a big movie for Warner Brothers. And then, yeah, it ended up getting shifted away. I think they essentially like dumped it off to to netflix and that did not give me confidence that it was going to be great i actually haven't even heard anyone say anything about it i think it was just one of those things that sort of got lost in the netflix scrum you know yeah i mean the shot the shocking truth uh and people have studied this and there's documentation out there on the dark web is that <laughs> no one on earth has actually seen any circus's jungle movie not even andy circus <laughs> <laughs> um you know, let's talk about the other contenders, because I think they're far more interesting. Rupert Wyatt, uh, who did Rise of the Planet of the Apes, but he hasn't really done anything great since then. And there's also Bumblebee's Travis Knight. Uh, you know, he got his chance to do a live action, big budget film in the Transformers universe, and he did some great stuff at Leica. Uh, I mean, both of them are good. Both of them have a lot of ex or have some experience dealing with visual effects driven movies, you know, with characters that are uh, heavily visual effects. Uh, Brad, do you have any dog in this fight? Not particularly. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm not, I don't know. 
I'm not necessarily invested in a Venom sequel <laughs> at all. Um, just because as much as I love Tom Hardy in that role and how fascinating it was to watch him, I just don't see myself being excited about uh, the Venom fa- franchise continuing unless they figure out a way to actually, you know, cross over with the MCU and bring Spider-Man into the mix. But, you know, yeah, so I'm at this point, really, I, I don't know if there's anybody who would get me you know, excited except for, you know, directors who have no chance of ever taking on a Venom sequel. <laughs> what, what about you guys? Like, I, I know Jacob probably liked Venom the least out of our group. Uh, Venom is trash, uh, but uh, Travis Knight did make the only good Transformers movie, and so maybe this is the second time he jumps in and rescues a franchise from itself. Hmm. Peter, I didn't even see the first Venom, so... Uh, you still <laughs> haven't seen the first Venom? <laughs> no, no. I heard such bad things, I, I just stayed away from it. Ben, you gotta do it to yourself. <laughs> all you gotta do is YouTube the lobster tank scene, you're set. That's all you gotta see. <laughs> Uh, it's pure insanity. I mean, wh- wait, why would you watch uh, Serenity but not Venom? Uh, because I knew that Serenity had a twist, and I knew that it was something that people were talking about in like uh, revered tones. Like, oh my god, you've got to see this movie; it's so crazy. And Venom, I just heard like, yeah, it's it's wild, it's something, but uh, <laughs> oof, I don't know about that. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the the tone of the conversation around Serenity had me curious to see it in a way that the, the tone of conversation around Venom never did. Fair enough. So both of you have no, no interest in anybody directing this sequel because you're just not going to see it. I, mean, I might eventually see it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't know, man. Uh, this is it's a rough one. It's like Brad said, you know, there, there's not much to really get you invested. It's, it's sort of this the whole Sony separate universe thing. It works really well in animation for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, where it's like so clearly its own thing. But in live action, it's just like, and the Morbius movie coming up. I just have zero interest in seeing Jared Leto as a vampire. I don't know. I, I'm I'm just yeah. I, I think I'm all out on the the Sony Marvel universe. But Ben, he's a living vampire. A living <laughs> vampire. No, thank you. The question is, are they going to bring Woody Harrelson back with the, that bad wig for this? Yes, uh, Venom I, I will line up to Venom a week in advance if they put Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. in that wig on the poster. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be carnage. <laughs> he's supposed to be back with Michelle Williams. I don't know about the wig, though, so <laughs> we'll see about that. Oh, Ben, the wig. You need to watch right. movies just for the wig. We need to talk about the wig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, may- maybe he'll have gotten a haircut in between the events of Venom 1 and Venom 2. We can well, only Sony, hope. here it now. If there's no Woody Harrelson wig in Venom 2, I am boycotting it loudly. <laughs> okay, we have one final story. This one's for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. It does involve a leak of a page of a book that's going to be released before this movie hits theaters. So, this is something that Lucasfilm and Disney is putting out there. But if you do not want to speculate on what this page says, it doesn't really ruin things. It, it actually just is recontextualizing what we've seen thus far uh but i would totally understand if you want to turn off your podcast now and not can you continue any further but uh you've been warned so there's uh some speculation and some leaks coming up uh jacob what do we know uh yes this comes via reddit the, uh, that wretched hive of scum and villainy and occasionally <laughs> star wars leaks and it's from an uh, unpublished star wars guide and there's an image of uh, a timeline of events in Ray's life, and one of them from early on says, "A tiny Ray watches helplessly as a starship pulls away, marooning her on the unfamiliar world of Jakku." And if you remember from the Force Awakens, we do see a brief shot of her 
screaming for a ship to come back as she's on Jakku. And this is, the, this is in the end of her force back, so it's like her yes. reliving that childhood memory. So the, the, the takeaway here, and it's something that I guess I didn't realize that this was news, and Peter can inform me better, <sighs> is that this this confirms that she's not from Jakku. I always assumed that we already knew that. Peter, what, what, what did you take from this? Well, um, you know, in Star Wars The Last Jedi, uh, Kylo says to her that she, what she knows about her parents is true, that her parents uh, were just some junk... Uh, I don't have the quote in front of me. Weren't they like filthy junk traders who sold you off for junk, uh, drinking money and dead in a pauper's grave in the Jakku Desert? So, first of all, we didn't we didn't know that she was... We, we assumed that she was from Jakku, but it, seem, it seems now this confirms that she was not. She was brought who, there. Wait, and who, who assumed that she was from Jakku? I never confirmed that whatsoever. Like, okay, okay. It's... Th- th- that part of this does not even matter. The, the part of this I think that matters is uh, that they are leaving her there. They're leaving the planet. They came there just to drop her off. There's no reason for their, them to go to another part of Jakku and – I disagree with this. Like, I disagree because, with this because if they're, entirely. If they're, if they're going there purely to drop her off with Unkar Plutt, then that means they're leaving. They, they've left her with him, and they're, they're gone, and they're probably not in a pauper's grave in the Jakku Desert. I disagree with this that, that interpretation entirely, because just because they leave her on Jakku doesn't mean they're not going to come back. Because, first of all, they had to have likely already have an established relationship with with Ankar Plutt in order to even know to drop her off there and likely probably trade her for something. And Ankar Plutt's a junk trader. Like, there's no telling that they didn't constantly come back to trade him things, especially because of, like, likely what a seedy area Jakku is. I mean, you look at the original Star Wars trilogy, Han Solo is not from Tatooine, but he went there twice, once for to be at the canteen in Mos Eisley and likely get jobs from people, as he ended up doing by transporting Obi-Wan and Luke. And then also ended up going back to Tatooine because he got captured and sent to Jabba the Hutt's palace and was almost killed there. So just because Ray's parents leave Jakku doesn't mean there isn't any reason for them to come back, potentially well, well, get involved in some kind of deal gone wrong and get killed and buried somewhere. No, see, see that is a bit of like stretching the truth here. Now, if you watch the special editions of Star Wars A New Hope, then you see that the reason why Han Solo is is there is to meet with Jabba and to make a deal, right? Right, but it doesn't matter what so the reason when, is when there. So he, when he gets caught and gets brought back to be to Jabba's palace, that's because the deal went wrong. Do you know what I mean? Right, like, but because because there's somebody there who he has a previously established relationship with. <sighs> so I feel like there's there, it's it makes complete sense that her that Ray's parents could end up back on Jakku for for some reason. Oh, it, it could, but I feel like if she doesn't live there and they're leaving the planet as we see in in the Force back sequence. Then why are they returning, like, J- Jacob? Do you have any thoughts on this? I think Brad's right. Uh, I I think you both are wrong here. I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna learn. I, I'm not saying that she her parents are somebody. I'm not saying that they're somebody that we even know. But I don't think the story that she was told by an unreliable narrator was the story of truth, and everything's adding up against that. But like, you're awfully quiet. 
yeah, because I don't give a shit about any of this. This is the worst argument. The, this Ray's parents thing is one of the worst things to happen to pop culture at large in the past five years. I hate every single See, thing about this entire conversation. Not not you guys specifically, but the entire conversation around it. I hate it so, so much because it just derails everything for like what for but, what reason wait, wait, what wait, is wait, the wait a second. I, I don't think it derails anything because it was clearly one of the big points of force awakens was to to establish this mystery like that was literally like one of the big like establishing factors of that movie so it's 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 definitely something it's not like something that fans are uh occupied with that like was never going to get paid off on or whatever like it was clearly a setup a mystery that was going to unreal, uh, unravel over this trilogy, no? I mean, I guess, but, like, who cares who, uh, you know, Ray is the character, you know, it, it's not, but, but she's she, not defined. But she cares. It, it seems like she clearly is obsessed with this. I don't know, man. I th- that's what I'm talking about. That her obsession with her parents, I think, is is you reading too much into it. I think I think her obsession is not nearly what you think this i think i think her obsession is actually your obsession and and everybody else online who is you know read every watch that scene in last jedi where she's talking to kylo she's clearly very invested in that i mean yeah i'm not saying she's not invested of course she is because they're her parents but i I don't think that it's it's something that that she is uh, i don't know man (laughs) this this whole thing it just uh i I feel like chris right now i feel like i'm my soul is shattered well, every time this conversation arises and I'm, I just can't wait for the rise of Skywalker to finally come out in December. So we never have to talk about Ray's parents ever again. Well, you don't know that you don't know, <laughs> but uh, I, I think you, all of you are going to be in for a rude awakening when, when the rise of Skywalker hits theaters uh, this December, but I, I could be wrong. I could be the, the lone conspiracy theorist on this, uh, this podcast. We'll see. Um, okay, that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. Uh, you can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find links to all the articles we mentioned today in the show notes. Uh, I, d- I actually also did have a theory about Ray, which I've talked about in the past on this podcast. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, Slash Film Daily is published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, unmade Ben Affleck Batman scripts to Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.